So welcome again, everybody, to Greenbelt Online. If you're new with us here, my name's Kevin, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. Um, way back in April of 2020, um, I wrote an update to send out to uh, all the key leaders here at our church, uh, to our elders, our deacons, our staff. Um, this is something I do regularly as part of my role as pastor here is I prepare monthly these, you know, ministry updates that I send to the leadership teams here to keep everyone up to date on what's going on. And, and way back in April of 2020, I wrote something down that at the time I called the marathon strategy. And I called it that because we were at right at the beginning time of this pandemic, the, the beginning of moving everything online and all the shutdowns and all the things that we've been experiencing over the past 10 months. Like April was still, we were still pretty new in all of this. And something that God really put on my heart way back in April was, um, what if this goes longer than any of us anticipate? What if this is not just going to be for a few weeks? What if this is not just going to be for a couple of months? What if this goes really long? What are we going to do in that kind of a situation when people are going to feel disconnected, when people are going to feel isolated, when people are going to feel lonely? And so right away in April, I really and the team here, we really focused on the importance of smaller groups. The importance of smaller gatherings, that people are praying for one another, that people are encouraging one another, people are following up with one another. Because Just because we can't see each other, you know, face to face on Sunday mornings, you know, to see a couple hundred people gather in one building, the importance of those smaller gatherings is so incredibly crucial in, I believe, in any time, but especially in times like what we're living in right now. You know, here as a church family, we hugely believe in the importance of everybody being known by somebody. And we're very specific in that language. We firmly believe that everybody needs to be intimately known by somebody. Not everybody needs to know everybody. <laughs> See, in a church family of any significant size, even 50 people, everybody cannot know everybody intimately. But everybody intimately needs to be known, known by God, known by the church. And um, when, we, when I wrote that in April of 2020, um, that was kind of our heartbeat for this past year, this past season of ministry, was to really see people connected in life groups, to really make sure that we were praying for people, connecting with people, helping people who might be struggling, feeling lonely, and all of those things. And I think as we step into 2021, I think this idea of everyone being connected to somebody, of everyone being known by someone, is going to be even more crucial going into this year. I mean, <laughs> just look at how 2021 has been playing out already. I mean, we're what? Eight, nine days, depending on when you're watching this, we're eight, nine days into this new year. And I think for some of us, if, you know, we bought something and there was an eight day money back guarantee, we'd be ready already to exchange to bring back <laughs> this product that we bought. Like we're still seeing the tensions. We're still seeing the lockdowns. We're still seeing just so much uncertainty in our city, in our nation and all over the world. 
I mean, I spent yesterday afternoon as I was preparing for this message, I, I had to put my Bible down. I had to put my notes down. I had to put my, my Bible software that I used to study and prep down. And I just sat in front of the TV for hours praying for my American brothers and sisters and, and everything that was going on there. Like there's just so much going on. And as we saw last week, as we kicked off this series, Hope in the Dark, looking at the book of the uh, minor prophet Habakkuk, you know, it's real easy in the world that we're living in for all of us, myself included, to just be crying out to God, where are you? Why, God, do you look silent? Why, God, does it look like you're, you don't care? Why, God, do you not step in and do something about this? You see, we've been waiting. We've been longing for you to do something, God. Where are you? If you missed last week, uh, we kicked this series off with the author of a book called Hope in the Dark, uh, Craig Rochelle, who is the pastor of Life Church uh, down in Oklahoma City. Uh, two years ago, I had the privilege of being invited down by Life Church to learn ab- about their online ministry, to learn about the way that they do things. And I'm so grateful to God for that opportunity because so much of the things that I learned in my three days down there have directly helped our ministry prepare for 2020, to prepare to minister to people in new ways and in ways that we would never have thought of before. So that's why I thought it was really appropriate to start this series off, uh, having Pastor Craig kind of start it with the teaching that he had prepared. Um, And so we're going to continue looking at the book of Habakkuk. Again, if you're not familiar with who Habakkuk is, he is a, 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 um, a prophet of the people of Israel. He lived about 600 years before Jesus did. And Habakkuk's role as a prophet is significantly different than all the other prophets that we read about. You see, the role of the prophet in the life of the people of Israel was to receive messages from God and then to give those messages to the people of God. So God would speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would kind of let the people know what God was thinking, what God was doing. Habakkuk starts off differently. Instead of God giving a message to the prophet to tell the people, Habakkuk comes with a message from the people to bring to God. You see, because things have not been going well, right? There's been a lot of tension. There's been a lot of war. There's been a lot of things to complain about in kind of the life of the people of Israel with all of their enemies and all of the infighting which caused the nation of Israel to divide into two nations of Israel and Judah. And so the people are crying out like, God, how long? How long must we wait until you do something? Where are you, God? Step in and do something. Right? And so we saw last week that God responds to Habakkuk's cry. And we saw in chapter 1, this is the response of God. When the people of Israel, the people of Judah are crying out, God, where are you? This is what God says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. You see, chapter one of Habakkuk is all about wondering, wondering what God is doing, wondering why God isn't doing anything, 
right? And as I've said, the people in this time period, they're hurting. They're hurting. They desperately want to hear from God. God, where are you? And that was why way back in April of 2020, when I reached out to the leadership of of our church here, I asked a pretty tough question of our leadership. And I said, what are we going to do as a church family when more and more people start hitting the wall? And what what I mean by hitting a wall is when this pandemic thing starts wearing on everybody, what are we going to do when kind of the loneliness takes over, when the feeling disconnected takes over, when the frustrate the frustrations take over, how, how are we going to care for one another in those moments when more and more people in our church family begin to hit the wall? And then I kind of asked the next question, and then what are we going to do <laughs> when our leaders begin to hit the wall? Because we're people too, and we deal with these frustrations as well. We deal with these hurts. We deal with these loss, just like everybody else does. We're all human, and we're all in this together. So what do we start doing? How do we prepare ourselves as a church for when more and more people start hitting this breaking point? Right, And this is why it's been so crucial to look at how we're doing ministry, to evaluate how we're doing ministry in this season, to ensure that we're focused on the mission of the church and not being overly concerned with the methods of the church. That we had to make sure that we were loving one another, that we were caring for one another, that we're living out our core values, that we're really leading people in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. That the church is still growing and becoming a vibrant, growing Christian community engaged in reaching 10,000 people with the gospel. You see, the mission and the vision and the values that we have as a church stay the same. But we have to make sure that we're living that out in a way that actually works within the time period and the climate that we find ourselves in. And I know as I've talked to so many of you, I've prayed with so many of you, I've walked with so many of you during this year. I know a lot of us, myself included, have cried out many times, where are you, God? Where are you, God, in all of this? And so today what I want us to do is I want us to now continue on this theme. We're going to be looking at Habakkuk chapter 2. And in Habakkuk chapter 1 was all about uh, wondering about God wondering where God is. Chapter two is all about waiting on God. Chapter two of Habakkuk is all about waiting to God. What we're going to see in God's response to Habakkuk's cry is God calls his people, his children, his family, he calls them to wait. And we're going to look at this text and we're going to find some ways that you and I can deal with waiting, (laughs) And maybe kind of just show a hands, maybe, in, or put it in the chat here today. How many of you like waiting? <laughs> oh, I, I don't like to wait. I seriously don't like waiting. I have very, very little patience when it comes to waiting. I mean, literally just before starting to record this message, I was talking with Paul, who's just kind of over there on the computer. We were talking about a show on Netflix. I mean, Netflix is all about, hey, a new season has come in. I'm just going to binge watch 22 episodes on the very first weekend it's there and just kind of devour that show. 
Well, I've been trying to discipline myself to watch this show that I absolutely love and watch one episode a day and not kind of jump into a second episode. And it's like, and it just like, ah, it drives me absolutely crazy because I do not like to wait. I want what I want when I want it now. <laughs> you know, I get a gift certificate for Christmas for my favorite hobby store. <laughs> that gift certificate doesn't sit in my wallet for very long. I go right away. I don't like to wait. And I think if all of us were honest with one another today, most of us don't like waiting, especially when we're hurting, especially when we're wondering what God is up to. So what I want us to do is to look at Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I would encourage you to do that in your own quiet time with God. I would encourage you, you know, during this series to be reading this text for yourself. If you're joining us today and you do not own a Bible, man, just reach out to me. Send me an email to kevin at greenbelt.church, and I would love to send a Bible to you in the mail. I'm a big believer that every family should own a Bible, and we will send that to you completely free of charge. Just uh, reach out to me so we can get that to you. But I would encourage you during this series to read these words, get into these words yourself and let them really speak to your heart in this season that we find ourselves living in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack some of the verses from Habakkuk chapter two, and we're going to look at three things that you and I can do while we're hurting, while we're lonely, while we're wondering, (laughs) things that we do while we're waiting on God things that we do while we're waiting on God. So the first thing, I encourage you to take notes as well, so you can be talking about these with your family, with your life group. First thing that we do while we're waiting on God, while we're hurting, while we're wondering, is we need to listen. We need to listen. Right away in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, this is Habakkuk's response to the words of God. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and then what answers I am to give to this complaint. Okay, so Habakkuk puts himself in this position that I'm going to put myself in a position where I can see what God is going to say to me. He's going to listen. I don't know about you. But when I'm hurting, when I'm wondering what God is up to, listening doesn't come easy in those moments. You see, when I'm hurting, I want answers and I want them now. And and this idea of listening, being quiet, being still, all of these things, it's like, you know what? I really don't feel like listening right now because I'm hurting. I'd rather be telling. (laughs) I'd rather tell God right now. I mean, I know so many people have experienced so much loss this year, and our family is no exception to that. And it's just been a painful year. You know, I started off 2020, I've shared this before, my stepmother had passed away with, from cancer. I've lost an uncle this year. We've had to put our dog down this year. Like there's just been loss, such so much loss in so many people's lives. And, and loss hurts and, and loss is frustrating. And, and, it, and, it, and, and we want answers in those moments. Like, God, why did you do that? Why did you take away someone who was so kind? God, why did you take away some something that was such a blessing to our family? God, why do you do this? 
right? And, and we just go into that place where exactly where Habakkuk chapter one is, where we just bring the complaint to God. Now, God's okay with your complaint. God's okay with my complaint. He's not offended by it. He's not, we didn't hurt his feelings. It doesn't trigger him and he goes to a safe space to have a quiet time. Like God's not like that. He can handle our complaints. He can handle our lament. He can handle our wondering. But then we have a response to take. And I love these words of Habakkuk here where Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and my station. You see, Habakkuk, as, as, as a prophet of Israel, he would also have been responsible in, in, in the nation of Judah to sit on the wall, right? The, the nation was surrounded with a wall, and, and the leaders, the prophets, the leaders, they would take shifts of, from the walls to be on the lookout of their enemies. So Habakkuk positions himself in the place where he's supposed to be. Habakkuk, let me say that again. Habakkuk intentionally places himself in the place where he is supposed to be. I think sometimes as um, evangelical Christians in the world today, we, we kind of have developed this thing where, you know, I need to get away. I need to go to some holy place. I need to go on this special retreat or I need to go on vacation or I need to go to this beautiful, beautiful kind of spot by the river in order to hear from God. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to those places to hear from God. In fact, it's something I do. Well, when I was working in the building every day during the nice weather, we've got a beautiful river just like a kilometer down the road. I'd go for a walk down the end of the street and sit by the river and pray. Great spot to meet with God. Right. But what this passage here reminds me of is you can actually hear from God exactly where you are. You see, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can hear from God right where you are. You don't need to go to some holy place. You don't need to go to some special spot to hear from God right where you are, right where God has called you to be your living room, your family room, in your car, the place where you are supposed to be, your school, your place of work, your family, doesn't matter where it is. We go to those places, our regular, ordinary, boring places. And those places become holy encounters with God. As we hear, as we prepare to listen to him, right? It was interesting when I was watching last week's message from Craig Rochelle, and I'd seen that message before a couple of years ago, and it really blessed me in it. One of the things I found so fascinating about listening to God is this verse of Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verse 5, right? And, and we say verses like this, and we quote verses like this, and we put verses like this on our fridge as Christians, right? When God finally answers, when we're listening to God and we hear the voice of God say this, right? It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told, right? Doesn't a verse like that sound like great news? 
Like, wouldn't you love to hear God say those words to you in a bad situation that you find yourself in or in the situation that you've been in wondering where God is and wondering why God isn't doing anything? And when you're listening to God, he finally responds to you that, man, I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe. Even if I told you what I'm going to do, you're not going to believe it. Right? There's like a New Testament verse that I pray pretty much every single day that we would see God do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine through his power at work in the church. Right? These two verses have the very, very similar feel. Right? So when we're listening to God, that's kind of the answer we're looking for, right? Right? Let's say like you, you applied for a, a university that you wanted to go to and you didn't get accepted into the university that you wanted to, right? And so you'd hear those words from God. So, oh, well, that's because God's got a better university for me to go to. And it's going to be a university and I'm going to get a full scholarship there. And it's just going to be so amazing. I've never would have seen this coming. Right. Or someone that that you're having big time marriage problems and you're having struggles with your spouse and you go, wow. And you're listening to God and God responds. I'm going to do something that you would never believe. And automatically our response is, wow, we're going to get healed in our marriage and and everything's going to be restored. And then God's going to use us in ministry to to heal other people's marriages. You see, and on and on and on, there's something in our hearts, there's something in our flesh where we always default to the best story possible. (laughs) And the reason why Craig Rochelle says that this book, this sermon series is not a sitcom sermon is because that's actually not God's response here. God's response is, I'm going to do something that you would never even believe. I'm going to send your enemies to come to destroy the city to destroy the wall, to take the people into captivity for decades. Well, where's the good news in that, (laughs) right? Is that really kind of the answer that we want to hear when we're listening to God, right? And we see this picture kind of come up again and again and again, all throughout not just the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well, right? We read about the Apostle Paul. And all the work and all the ministry that he did, you know, to bring the message of Jesus all around the known world um, on all of his missionary trips. And we read about the, the thorn in his flesh. We read about him being beaten. We read about him being left for dead. We read about him being shipwrecked. We read about the snake bite that, that he receives. And we read, you know, three different times Paul says that uh, God says to Paul in those moments My grace is enough. My grace is enough. See, sometimes when you and I are just going about our regular lives and we're in our regular spot where we're supposed to be and we listen to God, what we hear from God, whether it's through his word, whether it's through God's still small voice, whether it's through someone from the church speaking into our lives, Sometimes all we hear is, is my grace is enough. My grace is enough. I think, I, I think it was Pastor Craig Rochelle who actually said this in another one of his books. And that um, so spoke to me when the way he phrased it is God doesn't prove his love for you by what he gives you. God has already proven his love for you by dying for you. You see, God doesn't prove his love for me by giving me what I want. 
But daily, I need to listen to the voice of God, whether it's sitting in my favorite chair in our living room and whether I'm with my Bible, paper Bible like this, or whether it's just my Bible app and all I have the energy for that day is to read the one verse of the day. Sometimes that's some of my best quiet time with God is just a verse. I'm not trying to read a whole chapter. I'm not trying to do this big exegetical tech, you know, devouring of the text. I'm not trying to understand the historical significance of it. I'm not trying to develop an application to apply to my life or to your life. But I just sit in there in one verse. Earlier this week, that's exactly what I did. I, I was really just overcome with a massive sense of sadness earlier this week. Um, one of the things that I like to do on social media on Facebook is Facebook has this thing called memories where you can go back and you can look at all of your posts from that day for all the years that you've been using Facebook. Now, I've been using Facebook ever since it was in kind of like beta mode. So I've been on it for like 13, 14 years. So there's a lot of memories that pop up. And during this Christmas season, I've had a lot of pictures pop up of my dog, Paisley. And and it just really hit me, just that wave of sadness of, of our dog being gone. And I realize, for those of you who've gone through so much worse in life, you're kind of going, really? Like, you're upset about this? I'm just sharing my story of an area that I've been upset, not trying to compare to who has the worst story here. But um, and, and I was just really hit with this wave of sadness. I was just really feeling the weight of having to make that decision to put the dog down. And um, the Bible verse for that day. That day's Bible verse was, give us today our daily bread. One line, one line from Jesus's prayer of the Lord's prayer. Give us today our daily bread. And in that moment, in that time with God, just to take a moment, put myself in the chair that I have my coffee in every single morning. There's nothing special about the chair. There's nothing holy about the chair. The place where I always am, the place where you can always find me. <laughs> taking a moment to listen from God. And I was reminded that God's grace is enough for today, that he will give me my daily bread. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I don't need to stress out about next week. I don't need to worry about the next government announcement. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen with the next lockdown. I don't need to worry about January 20th down in the United States, all of these things. Today, God will provide everything that I need. But we have to put ourselves in those positions to listen. Because when you're hurting, when I'm hurting, the default is not going to be to listen. And we have to encourage one another to take that time intentionally to listen. So that's the first thing that we're reminded of, things that we can do while we're hurting and waiting on God. The first is that we can listen. The second thing is, is that we write. We write. So the kind of continues here. God continues in his reply in uh, verse two of chapter two. It says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. So God is about to respond to Habakkuk's complaint. He's about to tell him what's going on. So Habakkuk has been wondering and waiting on God. God's about to give an answer here and God encourages him to document it to record it, to write it down. 
I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have such a high regard for the word of God, for the Bible, is that God's spirit spoke to all of these authors who put together these 66 books that make up the Old Testament and the New Testament, that these were inspired words from God, and they wrote it down. It gives us like an anchor to the very words of God, that we can hear God's voice, we can listen to him, we can understand him better because it was recorded for us and it was written down. And I encourage all all Christians, those who love to journal and even those who don't like to journal, when you hear from God, when you finally hear from him when you're taking that time to listen, I believe it's crucial to write it down. Now, it's not because what you write is equivalent to the Bible, to equivalent to the word of God. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're not adding anything to the word of God. But I have come to learn in the 20 plus years that I've, 25 years that I've been following Jesus, I have come to learn that in my flesh, I can easily forget what God has told me. In my busyness of life, of just being a pastor, of being a father, of being a husband, of being a son, of being a friend, with just everything that goes on in my day-to-day life, it's so easy for me to forget what God has told me in those times when I've listened to him. Again, going back to April 2020, um, you know, I'm not... I don't want to say I'm some kind of prophet who clearly heard the words of God. That's not what I'm saying. But when we moved the ministry of Greenbelt to online like this, and, you know, governments here in Canada were saying, well, it's just for a couple of weeks. It's not going to be long. By after Easter, you know, you're going to be okay, and everything's going to go back to normal. I was in my, again, normal, regular, boring chair in my living room. I, I was reading the text, prepping for the next sermon series that we were doing. I don't even remember what it was back then in March. And it just hit me. I just felt so clearly prepare for the long haul. And I don't say it's audible. I don't say there were like a writing in the sky or anything like that. But it was just so clear for me that it was from God. And then what I did for the next couple of hours is I wrote that down. I have the journal entries, I've got the blog posts, I've got the Facebook posts that can affirm that, where I just spent all this time writing it down, documenting what I had heard, is I, as a pastor, I need to prepare my church, I need to prepare people that I love and care for, and so look forward to seeing together and hugging and high-fiving and all of these things that we love to do as a church family. I have to prepare for the long haul. And what I've done just this past week again is gone back and reread those journal entries. And I reread them because they encourage me. They build me up in those times when maybe I'm not hearing from God as, you know, it's not as clear or I'm wondering where God is or I feel like I'm waiting or I was feeling down because of Paisley this week, you know, and all these things that kind of get into life, just taking a little bit of time of going back to what I wrote in March, end of March, beginning of April. Prepare. Prepare. 
roll up your sleeves, do the hard work, prepare. Because God is um, doing something um, that you would not believe even if you were told. <laughs> right? And again, I could read Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 expecting amazing, amazing things. I wouldn't have expected the 2020 that we got. I would never have expected that, even if I was told. Right? Write down the revelation. Write it down. Write it down. And maybe you're kind of listening to this going, oh my goodness, I hate journaling. I can't believe the pastor's telling me to journal. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just kind of showing you what Habakkuk did, what God told him to do, and it might be helpful for you. It's not a commandment. It's not you must do it or thou or if thou shalt do this or thy Lord your God will spite thee. No, it's nothing like that. But I'm just sharing a little bit of my personal experience, which comes from this text where God says, write this stuff down so that you can make it clear to other people. Sometimes we have to make it clear to ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes I need to make this clear to myself. <coughs> Excuse me. When God speaks, we listen. We write it down because we're going to forget. In our human nature, we're going to forget. So we write it down so we can always go back to what God has told us. And then the hard part kicks in. And then we wait. Then we wait. Back at chapter 2, continues here in verse 3. He says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. Again, I don't like to wait. I want the answer now. I want to know what's happening now. I need, I need to know what to do now. <laughs> but if we're truly listening to God, and God is truly speaking, we write it down so that we don't forget about it, because it might require us to wait. <laughs> we don't know what God's plans are for our lives. We don't know what God's plans are for our nation. We don't know what God's plans are for our church. We don't know. But we know who God is. And we know that God has a plan. And God is doing immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine through his power at work in the church. We've seen it firsthand. We've seen 76 people except Jesus in the last 10 months in our ministry here. We've seen our youth ministry growing. We've seen more people engaged with our life group ministry. We've seen more and more people blessed all over the world. We've seen people being generous and caring for one another and supporting one another financially through difficult times. There's been amazing things going going on in our ministry. But in some of the stuff, some of the difficult things that we're wrestling with, some of the difficult things that we're waiting on God for, that we're wondering where God is, God might be calling us to wait a little longer <laughs> for that answer. I love in Craig Rochelle's book, uh, Hope in the Dark, when he talks about this idea of waiting for God, he reminds us about who God is, that God is all-powerful and God is all-loving. And sometimes we think in seasons of waiting, 
it must be because God is not loving or God is not all powerful. That's why it's not being, it's not happening. But this verse reminds us that no, God's promises will come true in the appointed time. And what Craig Rochelle says in his book says, if it is not God's time, you can't force it. If it's not God's time to have a reconciliation to that issue, an answer to that question, that thing that you're dealing with, if it's not God's time yet to put it to bed, to put it to rest, you can't force it. You can't rush the process. There's nothing you can do to force it. And then Pastor Craig continues and he says this, but when it is God's time, you can't stop it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it because that's who God is. That God's mission in the world is unstoppable, right? When Jesus set up the mission of the church, He set it up as so much more than simply a gathering of the people of God to sing songs of worship and to disciple one another and just enjoy the blessings of God. That's a part of what he set up. But he set up that first part for the second part. And the second part is to seek and save the lost. Right? The reason why we get built up, the reason we deal with the sin in our lives, the reason that we do life group, the, the reason we disciple people, the reason we raise people up into positions of leadership, the reason we do all this is not just simply so we can be blessed and live this perfect little Christian life in this dark world, but rather it's so that God would use us out in the world to continue the work of Jesus to seek and save the lost, the lonely, the hurting, the broken, the confused, those who are wondering what is going on, people just like us. (laughs) And God uses us for that. And again, that is why as a church, our mission has been the same for years and years of leading people in knowing Jesus, of knowing who this God is, you know, of not believing that God is some distant, angry God who just throws all these pandemics and earthquakes and floods and calamity at the world because it's some kind of joke and game to him. That's not who God is. See, God didn't prove his love for the world by blessing us with whatever we want. God proved his love for the world by leaving his throne in heaven, by being born of the Virgin Mary, by coming in flesh, fully God and fully man, of knowing temptation exactly like how you and I know temptation, of being attacked by sin, just like you and I are attacked by sin, but Jesus was without sin. And Jesus became the sacrifice. You see, the Bible teaches us that sin has to be paid for, and the price of sin is blood. And the people of Israel, they were sacrificing animal after animal after animal, but there weren't enough animals to wipe away the sin of humanity. But it's only the perfect, sinless blood of Jesus who completely wipes away our sin. See, God proved his love for us. Not by what he gives us, but because he's willing to die for us. And that death washes us of our sin. That death makes us perfect in the sight of God. God sees you 
When you come to faith in Jesus, God doesn't see you as a sinner. God doesn't see you as no good. God sees you as a saint, as perfect, as holy, and as righteous. And you are invited into his family. You're adopted as a son and daughter of the Most High God. And in that adoption, you have the full rights of the firstborn child, which means the inheritance of the father is yours. The inheritance of the father is yours, not by anything that you've done, but because Jesus died for you. And so our mission as a church is to see people know who Jesus is, to see their lives being transformed, to become more and more like Jesus and how they're living their lives. And as they're being transformed, that God would use them to share the love of Jesus everywhere that they go, everywhere that you go. And maybe you're joining us today here at Greenbelt Online, and uh, this message is new to you, that God doesn't show his love to you by what he gives you, but rather God has proven his love for you by dying for you. Those might be new words for you. And if they are, I want to give you an opportunity to accept the love of God. The Bible teaches us if we just confess with our mouths that we're, that we're sinners, that we need to be saved from our sin, if we turn from that sin and turn to God, if we confess that with our mouths, we believe in our hearts that, that Jesus was God, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead, when we believe that, the Bible says that in that moment you become new and you receive that free gift. And you can do that right where you are, the simple, ordinary, regular place where you normally are. You can hear from God right now by simply praying, God, forgive me for my sin. Today, come into my life. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sin. And today I give you my life. And if you pray that prayer today, I would love if you would let us know that in the chat. We've had 76 people do that already in the past 10 months, and we are so grateful for you doing that today as well. We would love to follow up with you and connect with you and get some free resources into your hands to help you begin this new journey with Jesus. And we want you to connect with us. You're part of the family now. So let's not do this on your own. Let's do this together. And for those of us who maybe we've prayed that years and years ago, regardless of what the year of 2020 looked like, regardless of what 2021 is already looking like, I want all of us to understand that it is okay to be waiting on God. It's hard. I know it is. (laughs) But as a church family, we can do it together. We can listen together. We encourage one another to listen for God. We encourage one another to get into our Bibles, to study it, to meditate on it, to just sit in one verse of it. We encourage you to write it down, whether it's an Instagram post or a Twitter post or a Facebook post or a big giant uh, post in your journal. (laughs) Write down when God speaks to you. And then we patiently wait. (laughs) We patiently wait for God's will to be done here on earth as it's being done in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for your word and the reminder that it is in so many of our lives. 
And so, God, I, I pray for those that are watching today who've been hurting, who've been struggling, who've been dealing with things, who've been wrestling, who've been angry with you. And God, I'm grateful that you're a God that can handle that. I'm grateful that you're a God who can handle my wrestling with you and that you comfort and that you speak. And you're speaking even when I don't hear and you're speaking even when I choose not to listen. And so, Father, as we uh, continue to uh, ride this wave of 2021, um, I pray, God, that you would equip all of us as your church to wait on you, to listen for your voice, to be encouraged by your words, and to be patient. To be patient that the story is not done, and to be patient that your will would be done. And as we continue to worship today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to each of our hearts, that you would just speak to us, provide comfort in the waiting. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.